preached word this evening will be taken from Judges chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. It reads as follows. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinim, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, and the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give air, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and the travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I rose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Amen. Uh, I, get the, um, I get the privilege of being in the text all week. I'm sure that you guys have read over, or I would hope that you've read over Judges uh, for a number of times, as that's the series that we're in. And you know that we are on Judges chapter 5, but um, I'm sure that you have not put in the time of study that I've had to put in to bring the word thus far uh, this, this evening. But um, I get the privilege because I say that, I say it's a privilege because as we're worshiping, as we're singing, um, the songs, it's amazing how God in his providence would use the songs that we would sing to speak to the text to hit me like a weight of bricks, to remind me of his, his goodness and his faithfulness. So I pray that the words that come forth this evening would be an encouragement to you, and as you think back on the songs that we have sung this evening, that they would too fall on you like a weight of bricks, and that you would see God's faithfulness and his mercy to you. So let's pray. Father, you are God Almighty. There is none like you. None who we call Abba Father. None who we call Holy, 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 apart from you. We thank you, Lord, that you have gathered us here as your people. That you've called us to this place to worship you and to praise you. And that you would see fit to administer your grace to us via your, via your word. And so, Lord, we ask for your help this evening. We ask for your help. Help, Lord Jesus, help. Help us as we hear your words, Father, to understand them. That they would change our hearts and our minds. They would cause us to see you and you alone. Father, I pray for your help, for I realize that I have nothing good to say apart from your word. And so I pray that I would remain faithful, Lord, to your word. Father, I ask for your help. 
that you might help me to point people to Jesus and him alone for their salvation, for their encouragement, for their building up in the faith. Father, bless our time this evening. Be glorified, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This this theme of of songs is kind of on my uh, heart and on my mind this evening. And as I was thinking throughout this week, and even as I was over there, uh, as we were worshiping during our time this evening, I wonder, do you know why you sing? Do you know why you sing? I mean, we just finished singing about four or five songs, and I'm I'm curious to know that if you gave any thought as to why you sang this evening, perhaps you didn't sing, perhaps you just listened. But if you did sing, I wonder if you thought about why or how about when you sang, did you you give much thought to the words that you were singing? Perhaps the reason behind why that songwriter wrote those words? You know, songs are often written out of experiences. Um, some of the, some, I'm sure uh, any good songwriter would tell you that the best songs, the best songs come from those people that write songs about their experiences. For that is true of a number of songs that we sing. Where the songwriter, in the, whether in the midst of a trying time or a difficult situation, pen words that, that speak to the gravity of that situation, but then also tell us of the faithfulness of God in the midst of that situation, and as they see his hand working. One such song is, is popular that we know and that we sing. Um, it was written by Horatio Spafford, who was a wealthy Christian businessman in Chicago, who had four daughters and a son. And he tragically lost his son. And then in the the fires of Chicago, the famous fire in Chicago, he lost many of the businesses that he had established. And as a reprieve from all the suffering that he and his family were experiencing, he sent his daughters and his wife on a trip to Europe by boat. And he was going to later join them after taking some care of some business matters there in Chicago. And just before he was about to leave, he got word back that the ship on which his daughters and his wife were on crashed. And the only person that survived was his wife. He lost his four, four daughters on that shipwreck. And as he was on his way to meet his wife to comfort her during this time of suffering. He penned the hymn that we, we know so well and that we sing. It is well. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Just one, one example But the Bible provides us with with many more examples of songs that God's people have sung. You see, because God's people, they sing. 
They are rejoicing people. They give praise, and it is often during the times, times of victory, as we see in the Bible, after an experience where God has proven himself faithful and seen his people through a situation, and they break forth in this exuberant praise and celebration and rejoicing and singing. Perhaps one of the, the more famous of these hymns came after the people of Israel had crossed the Red Sea. We read this account in Exodus chapter 14, where God miraculously delivers his people from the hands of the Egyptians, miraculously, by parting the Red Sea. And then in Exodus chapter 15, we read this song. It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, he has thrown them into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. This just two stanzas of, a whole, of the whole chapter of, of the, the people of God rejoicing and singing because salvation had come to them that day. Salvation, recalling the great salvation of the Lord in song. And this evening we have another example, another shining example of a song in response to a miraculous deliverance of God's people from a terrible enemy. Throughout the book of Judges, um, the people of God have been, have been warring, warring against the inhabitants of the land that they had failed to drive out when God had given them the land to them. And there is this constant cycle throughout the book of J Judges of, of disobedience, People of God are disobedient, and it leads to their judgment at the hand of God. What happens? They cry out for help, and God sends a deliverer to them. But they soon forget and find themselves once again doing what is evil in the sight of God. The account of Deborah and Barak, however, is, a, is an account of victory. It is an account of the deliverance of God's people from the Canaanite king, Jabin, and his 900 chariot army led by Sisera. It was an amazing and miraculous victory that we read about in, in chapter 4, but it leads and precedes chapter 5, where in response to this victory, like the song of Moses, Deborah, and as some scholars would believe, Barak as well, penned, composed this song. And so our plan is, over the next two weeks, we're going to look at this song. But tonight, looking at what our response should be to victory. And more importantly, or more specifically, victory over sin. Victory over sin produces a response it should produce within you a joy. Rejoicing should be upon your lips, and the song of Deborah in these first seven verses provides us reasons why the Israelites sang that day 
And they continue to sing this song throughout their, their history and why we should sing. That's the question I asked at the beginning. Why do you sing? One, we sing because victory over sin is a big deal. It is a big deal. The people of Israel had been oppressed by the Canaanites for 20 years. For 20 years, and the Bible says that it was a cruel 20 years. They were under the oppression of King, King Jobin, and we know that it was a terrible time because of what the Bible tells us in chapter 4 of Judges. It says that the people of Israel cried out to God for help. We know, and it has been said before, that, that when you cry out for mercy or when you cry out for help, it is because you are in misery and you need help. And the people of God were in misery because of their sin. And so what did they do? God showed them mercy and he gave them victory over their enemies through the hands of Deborah and Barak. Now that is one, that's an amazing thing. That the people in their sin would cry out to God and that he would hear them and answer them and give them victory over their sin. That tells us a little something about the character and the nature of God. But then after, right after the victory... We read in verse 1 of chapter 5. We read in verse 1 of chapter 5. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinimam, on that day. On that day, the oppression ended. On that day, victory over their enemies had come, and there was reason to rejoice, and there was reason to sing reason to praise the Lord for delivering them miraculously from their oppressors. Oh, how true this is of our lives. We too have an enemy in our land. I'm not speaking of the boss that gave you a tight deadline this week for a project or the coworker or friend that, that offended you and got on your last nerve this week, or the person that cut you off as you were traveling along 285, or the author of that article you read this week that you just can't stand. I'm not talking about those enemies. I am speaking of the enemy that lives within. This enemy is sin. This is the ruthless relentless enemy that opposes you, that mocks you, that criticizes you, that accuses you. The enemy that tells you that you do not deserve the love of God. He tells you that people don't like you and will not accept you. He is a cruel enemy that is seeking to slowly but surely destroy you. This enemy... Sanami is like kudzu. You know what kudzu is? If you spend any time in Georgia, you know what kudzu is. It's that, it's that plant or that, that weed that grows everywhere, right? And it's got some good qualities. You use it as a covering. It grows quickly. It doesn't take much care. 
it grows and grows and grows. There's this thing about kudzu, is that when it grows, it takes over everything. It'll grow up telephone poles. It'll grow over trees. When it grows over trees and over forest, slowly but surely, it begins to cover that tree. And it, and, it, and it covers it so that it can't receive light. It begins to, 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 to sap the nutrients from that tree, slowly but surely killing that tree. And that is what sin is like. Oh, it seems good for a minute, but it is out to kill you, to slowly suck the life from you. But here's the thing. We know that if we are in Christ, we know that if we are in Christ, sin has ultimately been defeated. We, we still have what we call indwelling sin. Sin that God has called us to do battle against, that we might know him better, and so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. And so like the Israelites, we are called to do battle against our enemy, to fight this cruel oppressor that seeks to destroy us. This is what happens. This is what happens. As you do battle with indwelling sin, especially sins that seem to be strongholds and they're, they're hard to fight, they're difficult to overcome. You have been, you've been battling these, this thing. You've been battling it. You've been applying the gospel to it, seeking to destroy it, praying and crying out to God for help. And then all of a sudden, God grants you victory. Victory comes. God grants you victory over that sin. Brothers and sisters, that is a big deal. That is huge, and you should sing and rejoice over it. This enemy who desires all of you, he desires to kill and to take over every single inch of your being. Victory in even one of the seemingly small areas of your life is cause for celebration. It should cause you to bless the Lord. Victory over sin is a big deal. I don't know if we make a big, as big a deal of this as we should. You see, when you experience victory, even little victories over your sin, this here is evidence of growth in your life. This is evidence that, that God is working on you, that you are in the faith. If you have experienced any victory over sin, know that it is a big deal. It means that God is working. He is conforming you to the image of his son, rooting out that sin in your life. Victory over sin is a big deal. And we should sing about it and rejoice. We also sing because we understand that victory over sin is from the hand of God. It is from the hand of God. Deborah rejoiced and sang because the people of God had experienced victory over their enemies. But more importantly, she rejoiced because she knew it was through the hand of God. Look at the language in, verse, um, in verses 4 and 5 of Judges chapter 5. 
Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. Not only, not only does she acknowledge that the Lord went before them, Look at, Lord, when you went out for, out of Seir, when, when you marched from the region of Edom, not only does she acknowledge that the Lord went before them, but she praises his sovereignty, his control over the earth. You see, during, this, during their battle with the Canaanites, there, were, there was a time when the skies opened up with rain and it poured and the earth shook, working in favor of the Israelites to bring forth this victory. And here is Deborah singing praises because she knows that this was not just coincidence. It wasn't that they had just been, they'd been good to Mother Earth and, and that this was, she was paying them back or rewarding them for being good. Or it wasn't being attributed to Baal, who those at that time would have attributed the weather to. Those who worship Baal, they would have attributed the weather to him, no, Deborah, Deborah knows she is correct. It was from the hand of God, the one who controls all things, even the clouds and the earth. For Deborah was correct. It was God who delivered them. It was God who made the skies opened up and caused the ground to shake. For Psalm 135, 6 and 7 reminds us of this. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps, he it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Pastor Tony had touched on it earlier on in the, in the book of Judges, and, and Deborah in her song of praise reminds us that any, any victory that you or I receive or experience over sin should cause us to immediately, immediately give praise to God. We should thank him and rejoice because we know that victory over that sin is from his hand. Quick sidebar. Um, I want to dip into my, my sermon next week. Um, there is a phenomenon going on right now with, with worship and songs and things like that where there's just a, there's an emphasis on this victory, victory language, right? Triumphal language. Oftentimes, as you listen to some of these songs, there is this, there is this I've done it. Give me praise. I have victory. We see here Deborah praising and knowing that any victory, any victory that we receive over, over sin is from the hand of God. Our songs should reflect that. We should praise God for those victories, not ourselves. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. We'll, we'll cover that next week. <laughs> trying to do battle against your sin. Understand this. Trying to do battle against your sin on your, in your own strength is foolish. It is foolish. You don't win. You don't defeat sin on your own. For me to step into battle with a roaring lion is foolish. 
But victory does not come by your hand or by my hand, but from the hand of God. So does that mean that I don't, that I don't do battle? Does that mean that I don't do anything? No, God calls you and I to fight. And we know that he works through means. He works in us and through us to accomplish his purposes. Deborah understood this because she sang about it. Look at verse 2. Deborah blesses the Lord because the leaders, the leaders in Israel, it says, took the lead in Israel and the people offered themselves willingly. The people offered themselves willingly into battle. Did Barak and Jael and Deborah, the others in Israel, did they just all of a sudden decide that they were going to fight? Did they will it up within themselves to go into battle? No, it was God who willed in them. It was God who gave them the desire to fight their sin. This is what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 12 and, uh, and uh, ch chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work it out with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to both will and to work for his good pleasure. Any victory, any victory that you experience over sin is from the hand of God. And so our response is to sing. It is to sing and to rejoice because without the hand of God, sin, sin would remain in my life and sin would remain in your life. We sing because we know that victory over sin is from the hand of God. We also sing because we have been redeemed from the awful effects of sin. We have been redeemed from the awful effects of sin. Sin is terrible. And, in, and if you have not gotten the point, in verse 6, in the first half of 7, Deborah paints for us a picture of the effects of the enemy on the land. The oppression of, the, of, of Israel by the Canaanites had a terrible effect on the land and the people. Look at what it says in, in verse 6 in the first half of verse 7. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. Palestine at this time was full of roadways and links to the northern country that provided um, trade and communication between the countrymen. But at the oppression of the Canaanites, no longer did the people of God experience the peace that they had once had during the time of Ehud. These highways that were throughout Palestine were now dangerous. They were treacherous. People lived in fear that if they went out, if they left their homes, if they traveled along these highways and these byways, that they would be robbed or even killed. The trade routes were forced off-road and oftentimes during, during down paths that were dangerous and, and, and many died on these paths. No longer would they be able to freely leave, but they, would be, they were confined to their homes, afraid to venture out. 
The oppression of the enemy was not just cruel. It affected their way of living. It affected their entire life. And here in the song of Deborah, she is recalling these conditions, remembering the effects of the enemy, recalling what they had been redeemed from. Any of this sound familiar? Can you relate to Deborah's picture of the effect of the enemy on the land? Do you see the resemblance to the effect of sin in your own life? Does not sin cause you to live in fear? To hide? Fear that you are going to be found out? And so you hide, afraid to come out? Does sin not keep you from reaching those you need to fellowship with? Those who can help you? Those whom you can exchange truth with? back and forth so that you might encourage one another. Sin does this and much more. Thomas Watson in his, in his book, A Body of Divinity, says this about the effects of sin. Sin disquiets the peace of the soul. Whatever defiles, disturbs, as poison tortures the bowels, corrupts the blood, so sin does the soul. Sin breeds a trembling at the heart. It creates fears, and there is torment in fear. It is an awful place to be, one that brings a a helplessness and and a hopelessness. And so when we sing, we sing because we know of the awful place from which we have been redeemed. We rejoice at the mercy of God. Bring us out of the oppression of our sin. Watson also says this. He says this. Is sin so great and evil? Then how thankful should you be to God if he has taken away your sin? That is why we sing God has taken away our sin. Paul tells the Ephesians to remember they were, they were once strangers. Peter tells us about our former ways. Why? Why do they tell us to remember these things? So that we would rejoice and sing about the extraordinary grace of God. We sing because we know that we have been redeemed. But lastly, Lastly, we sing because God has provided a final, final deliverer. Ultimately, ultimately we sing because of one reason. One reason we sing. We sing because of who Deborah points to. In the second half of verse 7, after she has described the condition of the people of Israel, there is, there is this hopelessness that she describes that is then followed by a hope in a redeemer. She says, they ceased to be. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. 
I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Here was Israel oppressed. They were in misery, seemingly hopeless, afraid to come out, afraid to fight. They were feeling the horrible effect of sin. And so what did they do? They cried out to God for mercy, and he hears their cry and provides for them a redeemer through his prophetess Deborah. God speaks to her to raise up Barak, and they defeat the terrible, much powerful army of Jabin. Victory, deliverance, rejoicing. They sing, they write this song. Forty years of peace they have. Forty years of peace. But oh, like Ehud, this good judge Deborah would soon die. And Israel will, as we'll see, once again succumb to sin and do what is evil in the sight of God. I can't help but draw out the similarity between our lives and what we've seen in Judges. God calls us to fight and do battle with our indwelling sin. There are times when we we fight sin and God grants us victory and we we rejoice for a season. We're excited. We rejoice and sing. Then all of a sudden, oh, I can guarantee it happens to us all because I know it happens to me. Then all of a sudden, sin starts to kind of rear its ugly head again in an area where we where we least expected it. And the cycle begins all over again. Fighting that sin. Fighting that sin. That is the nature of indwelling sin. That is, that is the process that God uses to sanctify us. But it's not easy. It is, it is hard and it is, it is difficult to fight this sin, you experience victory. And you think, that's it, that's it. But then again, you have to turn and fight again. You say, how can we be a singing people when we are constantly at war? How can we be a singing people when we are constantly fighting? How can we rejoice? We sing and we rejoice because Deborah and Ehud And some of the other judges we will look at are a foreshadow of a final judge. Sin causes misery. Sin is awful. And it did have us bound, but God provided for us a redeemer in Christ. And he fought the battle for us. He put our enemies to open shame and he sealed your and my victory. To you, do you and I still struggle with sin? Yes. Will we continue to do battle with sin until we die? Yes. Will will there be some sin that I experience victory over? Yes. Will in the end there be no more sin to battle with? Yes. How do I know this? 
because of what it says in Romans 6, 5 through 11. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. This is why we sing. This is why we come week after week, after on a daily basis doing battle with our sin, fighting and seeming like it is winning. But we come here and we can sing and we can rejoice because it is a response to the greatest battle ever fought, the greatest battle ever fought, and the greatest victory ever won. God secured our victory in Christ. Revelation 5, I think Revelation 5 sums it up so well. Sums up this battle and tells us why we sing and why we will be singing for eternity. If you could turn in your Bibles there with me. Revelation 5 says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on a throne, throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom, a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. This is why we sing, because... The Lamb of God was slain for our sin. And so that we can come week after week, even though we have been doing battle with sin, victory in some areas, losing in some areas, but ultimately the final war, the final battle has been won in Christ. Perhaps you're here. 
and you do not know this Christ that I speak of. You're not in Christ. You may have sung the songs that we sang here this evening. But if you are not in Christ, you sang those songs in vain. It's not, it's not a victory song for you. It's not a victory song for you. But I pray, I pray that you would know that God has secured your victory if you would trust Christ. He went, the, went to the cross for your sin. He fought the battle for you. Trust in him. Trust in him. And then after, as we sing, as we sing our song after communion, sing, rejoice, open up your lungs and sing. Because we sing because Christ has secured the victory. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father, it it is a privilege to sing, to sing praises, to sing songs of victory, victory by your hand, victory over sin, Victory over death. We thank you, Lord, for this awesome privilege. I pray for those who are here that don't know this victory, Lord, who cannot sing, who cannot rejoice. Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts, that they might receive Christ, that they might experience your mercy and your grace, that they would receive the pardon for their sins. Oh, Father, I pray that you would do it. And I pray for those who are here, who are constantly doing battle with their sin, and it seems as though they are not winning, Lord. I pray that by your grace, by your spirit, that you would come upon them, that you would let them know that they would be encouraged that though they may lose little battles, though they experience victory and once again find that they are fighting once more, that ultimately the final battle is won, that if they are in Christ, they are victorious. So we pray that you would come and apply that truth not only to their hearts, but to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.